How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jack. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 11. Episode 11. Sweet 11. Double, double. Double, double. The double ones. Don't you dare say decade again. <laughs> decade one year old. No! <laughs> How are you, Jake? <laughs> I feel like there's a bit more high energy than sometimes. Like last right now? Week. Yeah, I'm feeling... Yeah, yeah, no, I feel... I think I think we, we're on the other end of a really long week. We had a lot of stuff yeah. to hand in last week, and I feel like we're kind of on a... A refresher course right now. Yeah, a bit more I think of a we, chill I think definitely seeing the movie that we're going to talk about later in the show, Stephen Merchant's mm. first film, Fighting With My Family, seeing that together last <laughs> night. So yeah, you mean James, you watched it. Yeah, we both have a fresh take. Um, and it was just nice to see a movie of the week in the theatre. It doesn't happen that often, does it? No. I well, mean, we had Captain Marvel, but yes. that, I don't know, that had a different feel to it. Yeah, it was a bit of a different... I think this one, they're both opposite ends of the uh, financial mm. spectrum, too. Yeah, that's true. So, which we will talk about later in the show, but... Jacob, Is that it? Was this a, those two films in theatre? Yeah. Everything else we talked about is like on DVD or um, Netflix right. or something? Wow. Yeah, it was ne- most of it's been Netflix. Yeah. A couple of um making a, Making an audience go outside. Yeah. Well, sorry, guys. <laughs> so that'll be a very interesting topic a bit later in the show, yeah. but... Right now, Jake, catching any other films during the week? Um, I did actually. I, it's funny because I really, I really had a bug this week to watch a lot of stuff, and I just physically did not have time. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff that I kind of like. Okay, I can do it this week, but I did catch one. Okay. Outside of what we uh we talked about, and I'm just gonna whip my notes out here because you know, I'm a little little ill prepared. But at the start of last week, I did finally catch up on a film. Uh, that's technically part of a franchise that I really, really love, and mm-hmm. I think you're a little more distant away from it. Okay. Um, that franchise would be Harry Potter. I finally watched The Crimes of Grindelwald, the second Fantastic Beast movie. That is the lowest scoring Harry Potter film. Very much deservedly so. It is. Wow. The, the way I put it, all when I first watched Fantastic Beast in 2016, <clears throat> and I hadn't even met you at this point. This was before like we even met her and this was a while ago. But I remember watching it quite excitedly with a lot of close friends and we all like really loved Harry Potter. And we all just walked out being like, Oh, okay. And then pretty much the feeling I got was I would rather watch any other Harry Potter film than this wow. rendition of it. Like it was right at the bottom. But because it was uh, it was missing a lot of those aesthetic feels that I loved about Harry Potter. The characters I just didn't really care as much about. The world wasn't as interesting because they're not using that tool of going through Hogwarts and kind of this um, boarding school, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, There was just a lot less interesting aspects about it. And this made you want to go back and watch Harry Potter, where you had right. characters you were way, way more into. This film actively was bad. I think... yeah. So I think where, I, where does it fundamentally fail for you? For me, it's just there's a lot of story decisions that don't make any sense i just don't care about literally anything that's happening it's way way too many characters Mm -hmm. i couldn't follow anything i generally it felt like i actually said this when i was watching it i actually said this feels like i'm watching infinity war but marvel had 20 films to establish those characters this is just Just this is the sequel yeah i'm like i don't know what's going on and they didn't have any books there's no books like harry potter to kind of follow on that foundation. So I think J.K. Rowling, more than usual, was kind of just going off the cuff, it feels like. Mm. And it feels like she's just kind of gone... a Because she writes these all these films. Yeah, no, She exactly. writes all of these, you know? It's just like... So is she, is she um, like, weird. head 
screenwriter for this. I think she's like, yeah, sole screenwriter for like all of these wow. films. Because she obviously didn't do any screenwriting for the Harry Potter films. Mm. But she was obviously like a consultant and a producer and stuff. Um, and helped with the screenwriting stuff. Mostly because obviously they have to chuck a lot of stuff from the books out. Because they have to cut it down to a two hour or 120 page script. So she would help a lot with what was important to keep. Yes. Um, I remember there's the, the, there's the famous thing of how um, she made some changes to one of the scripts because it alluded to Dumbledore being straight, which obviously now we know. Isn't she? Gay. She's been changing a lot recently, right? That that one particular thing is fine because she actually came out in 2007 and announced that Dumbledore was gay, which was like, I think it was right after the last book came out. And okay. it was one of those things where she's like, no, he is gay. If you actually read the books, you can kind of tell. So that... I think we can cut us some slack for that because mm-hmm. that was like right as the books like finished and the movies were still coming out. That's fair enough. And everything okay. about it being established. The stuff that she's coming out with now, all this random facts and crap, and now it's becoming a huge meme, that stuff's ridiculous. Yeah. Because that feels like she's generally changing stuff for the sake of changing it. Because she wants... What do you reckon she tries to I get really, I really... I, to be honest, I don't remember a lot of the specifics of what she's changing. Mm-hmm. She's going to be like, oh, this is this. This is this. I kind of... I remember seeing... There was a whole thing about how Hogwarts didn't use toilets, so they pooped on the floor, or something like that. And I can't remember if that was a joke or an actual tweet that she made. Like, I don't know. It's just getting ridiculous. Okay. I know some people are coming out saying that there's there's like an LGBT bias or agenda to it. I couldn't mm-hmm. comment because I don't know to what extent she's actually doing that or saying that. And I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but. It is known that J.K. Rowling's kind of gone off the rails lately. She's kind of turned into the, the George Lucas of Harry Potter in a way. Wow. Very comparatively, because, yeah, like, she's making all this stuff that is... The Cursed Child, that play, mm-hmm. that script is horrifically bad. She didn't technically write it by herself, but she probably should have. These scripts that she does write for Fantastic Beasts are just... They're not bad, but they're just boring and bland, and I don't care about what's happening. Well, I feel like well, this is maybe where we should shift into sort of that idea because you brought up Lucas. It's like, yeah. do you feel that directors or writers and creators, they only have so many ideas? Like, yeah, because, I... I mean, the argument could be made, like, I mean, we could go to Spielberg with Ready Player One yeah. or we could go to Lucas with, well, I mean, the the latest Star Wars films, have not, none of them have really come from him, correct? Like, they've been overseen by him but not... What, the these essence. last few ones? Yes. Oh, he's got absolutely no involvement in those. Well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, he had his prequels, and then... Which was fully which now him. we have, yeah. you know, J.K. Rowling with, with Harry Potter, and it's like going to the well maybe one too many times. Yeah. I think I think the issue with George Lucas is mostly the CGI stuff. Mm. He wanted to go back and re-edit the films, and he has every right to, and J.K. Rowling has every right to do what she's doing with these. I think... I think it's not so much the problem of her changing. I think most people's problem is the fact that she's like actively trying to change, basically canon, mm. like the the canon law canon of that series, to the point where it just seems ridiculous. It's like, why now, sort of thing. Um, and then there's also the issue that the last few things she's done in regards to Harry Potter have been pretty bad or mediocre. And this film was probably the the worst in the series. Definitely out of the movies. This was easily the worst movie. This was the only movie that I'm actively like, this really disappointed me. Mm. The first Fantastic Beast is pretty flat and fine, but I wasn't like disappointed with it. I was like, no. this just makes me want to watch the other films. But there's nothing inherently bad about it. 
now just like I mean, like I wrote some stuff down. Okay. Just to kind of I mean, look, this it's not the worst thing. Like I did write down the, the you know the, the costuming, the production design, the special effects. Well, that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Like no issues there. They're doing a good job with that and with their budget and everything. It's just the writing itself, you know. But I think when you get to the level of production value that especially things like Harry Potter or Star mm-hmm. Wars has, to say that um, costuming's good should almost be not a compliment but an expectation. Well, I yeah, that's true. Because but it's not like the they don't have the financial if... hardship to struggle with costume design. Well, you say it's an expectation, but then you got to remember that every now and then you get something like Black Panther, where people yeah. are like, how are the special effects this bad? Yep. When the you have that, design is... I mean, the costume design is great, and Oscar design, really. I don't Oscar know. Worthy, I don't so. know if it deserves it over the favorite, but no. But you're right. You know, it is up there, and it's like I'm not angry about any of those. Maybe, maybe the soundtrack. But other mm. than those, what did it, what did it win? It won best production design, best costume. Was that it? Was yeah, and soundtrack. Yeah, but like you said, there is an expectation that those are already going to be up there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like what really but, makes. Um, Costume design, what sets, like, so just because the favourite's got, you know, this real, like, the Victorian aesthetic. Yeah. And it all looks like a Victorian aesthetic. Does that make it better than something that's even simple? Like, like taking a film like Drive, where yeah. the costume design is a million times more subtle, but also iconic. Yeah. You know? No, that's a good point. So, that's that's kind of where I draw that sort of like okay what what makes costume design really good what yeah. makes production design really good is it the extravagance of the set or what the set represents in the film yeah no, these that's are the a good lines point. that we draw because things like drive have like I mean that jacket that Gosling wears mm-hmm. that's iconic and synonymous to the film and that's got to be part of it I being iconic iconography yeah is part of that design. You're correct. Yeah, and that is deliberate choice by the you know by the ma- you know filmmaker. And it's like, I think you got to sort of like that. That would be an interesting sort of like way to look at it because it's like cool. Like Black Panther has these extravagant costume designs, mm. but what did those extravagant costume designs say about the film? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could argue the same for like yeah, period pieces like the yeah. favorite, like you know, Fantastic Beasts takes place. I think in the 1920s or 1930s, mm. you know? So it's a period piece and that's where their costume represents um, or outfits and the production design and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you're right. The fact that there's a period piece and it kind of holds up on that front is enough for me to be like, oh, it was really good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, I think, again, it goes it goes back to the writing and there's just a lot of lot of issues there. I'm just not, I'm not excited for the next one. I mean, Johnny Depp was... Fine, and he had a surprisingly low amount of scenes that he was in. That's kind of interesting, but that's because there's fifty other bloody characters. Well, I have to check out that film. I have not checked it out. It's the only. Have you seen the other? Seen. You have seen the other. I saw Fantastic that one in the Beast? theater. The first one. Ah, uh, yeah. Didn't. I'm not a Harry Potter person, as you brought up. Yeah. Um, I think those films are, are, are they range from being kind of bad to okay. And then I think one or two of them I really do enjoy, which okay. are three and four are the two I Three's enjoy. Three is amazing, yeah. Yeah. I love the exactly. one. They're the two I enjoy um, for different reasons. I think four is definitely the perfect sort of like transitional movie between the first half totally, of the story. Totally, absolutely, and yeah. To the second half of the story. I think it does have a really good weight. And it sets up 
the last, but I still think that seventh movie didn't need to be seven and eight, really. We we talked that was on the air, right, when we talked about that. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I was going to reaffirm um, that so conversation. We reaffirm that. That was a great conversation. Um, did you watch anything else this week? Um, no, I think that was it. I mean, I I I wanted to talk a little bit because I am trashing J.K. Rowling a lot. I do want to directed by David Yates. I think he. I mean, he's done like every single Harry Potter film since like the fifth one, mm-hmm. and then all the Fantastic Beasts, and he's slated to do all of them. So they've kind they've of got, got their fr- winning, the, yeah, their winning horse, basically. Well, basically, but I feel like he really fell off that horse. And I guess he is the horse in this analogy. He, I know he broke his legs in this one. Mm-hmm. I know there were just some weird directing decisions. Like they casually threw out. If you're going to do references to old films, there's a part when he's like, Dumbledore's talking, he mentions McGonagall, and you're like, oh, that's McGonagall, like young McGonagall, and what does the camera do? Not cut back to her. Mm. So I was like, why make that a reveal or mention that if you're not going to cut back to it? It's like, great, do I need to rewind the movie to be like, who, okay, that was her, and he's talking, yep, okay, got it. And then some weird, there was one scene where the cam- it was a very shaky cam. Mm-hmm. But it was like the most inappropriate place to have shaky cam. Man, I really got to watch this film. Yeah. I don't know. I, feel, I hope people understand. You've sold I mean, me enough on the curious nature of it because those films. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I it guess, was boring, man. I don't know. I would love to go back and maybe we do like a marathon episode where we do go through and watch all those films and really talk about yeah. them and break them down because I don't think I've ever had a proper conversation about the Harry Potter films. Oh, um, I'd love to go into it because I. I mean, I know they are quite good films, mm. and especially that third one. I love the third one so much. But um, you're right. It would be good to kind of sit down and acknowledge them on that level. Yeah. Because I think there's some good artistry in a lot of them. Well, I watched seven new films in the last week as I've watched. uh, So I'm up to 87 now. Oh, my God. You're almost at 100. Uh, Almost at 100. So in two weeks, I will have hit the 100th film. will probably be our film of the week in two weeks. If I break up the numbers right. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I think it'll be 101 at that point. So I watched... Clerks for the first time. Oh, nice. Never seen Clerks. Kevin Smith's first film. I do know that. I checked it. <laughs> um, Snatch, which is the film following Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels um, from oh, Guy okay. Ritchie. Um, wasn't as good as Two Smoking Barrels, but yeah. still very fun kind of movie. Um, the Art of Love, which is a French film. I found it in an op shop. I was like, sure, I'll give it a go. And I really enjoyed it. Okay. I did really enjoy it. It was like a cute kind of sort of like the aspects that compile and make love. Like, and it's told in okay. a... Um, like what? It's like kind of broken down in this... Into an anthology, is that yeah. how you say it? Where you do yeah. like a collection of short films and they all yeah. kind of reflect each other. So, yeah, it tells different stories from different relationships and how different aspects of love, you know, exist. Like the whole like two people are... Attracted to one another, but neither of them wants to make the first move. Right. And then talks about that story. Oh, okay. I and see. I see what you're like, That's uh, interesting. How long is it? Only 90 minutes. Okay. Well, it's less than that. I think it's 80. Okay. So, so it's a short bugger. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, I, like I watched uh, Scorsese's 91 film, Cape Fear, um, oh. which is with Nick Nolte and Get Robert some, De Niro. Getting some classics. Um, yeah. So I did go in a bit more classic. Um, I went with Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums, and I watched that one with James. I was going to say, um, did you watch that with James? We yeah. did, yeah. Um, I haven't put up... I'm going to put up all the scores for these ones uh, On the good old tonight. Instagram. Uh, I haven't put up the scores for these last couple give a, ones. I want to give a little uh, shout-out there, Zeke. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Zeke MH, hashtag 365 Zeke, Film Zeke. Challenge, which is... This MH. is what this is all apart. Check it out. 
Um, Into the Wild, my first time yeah, watching this film. Yeah, buddy. And you were very excited when I told very you this. Very excited, Tommy. I've no, yeah, I've watched it And ago. this film, I think, is going to equal Tower. for nine. I'm going to give it a 9.25 out of 10. <laughs> Bit of a spoiler, if you get to this Bit before you get to my Insta, Instagram. It is, in my opinion, the best road movie I've ever seen. Mm. Like a road trip movie. It is the best road trip movie. It's the best. It's one of the best coming of age sort of kind of pieces too. It's it's definitely one of the films because I watched this in high school. Yeah, years ago, and it's definitely one of those films that really shifts your ideology, even in some way, shape, or mm-hmm. form. I know I changed a lot watching that film in terms <laughs> of being a materialistic kid. I you know, yeah. called myself a kid back then. I've really slowly geared towards that that concept of being minimalist and mm-hmm. letting stuff kind of fall out of your pockets and be just you. Yeah. And this film really helped with that. I think there was a moment I caught myself like really getting emotional in it. Um, And it came at the tip of sort of the second and third. There are two really good um, character interactions. The Mm. main character has his character interaction with Kirsten Stewart. Oh my, that's right. She's in this film. uh, Is... And when they're going to like the Salvation Army sort yeah, of like yeah, yeah. that, I got really upset by that. I don't know why. I just found it incredibly beautiful in its like subtlety and yeah. like how he didn't like it. W- it was like a romantic relationship in a sense, but it wasn't like a typical by the movie romantic relationship. Well, was this that kind of she was stop and stop and leave sort of yeah. thing? You know, it's like um the Wanderer. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and. Oh, His they interaction should, with did the they final use that character. song in this film? I don't think they no, did, but they should have. it's all done by um, That's Eddie, right, yeah, Eddie, Eddie Vedder. Vedder, yeah. yeah. Every song is done by him in this film, yeah. I think it is. So, um, which great, I kind of like that, that sort of um, idea behind the soundtrack because it kind of also refers to, it feels almost interpersonal. Yeah. Like, these songs are actually coming from the main character. but uh, And his final interaction with the old man was like oh, one of the most heartbreaking right. sort of perfect cases and i mean uh look i i think the film is is amazing and it needs to be watched by more people if you haven't seen it what year did it, it came out 2007 that's sounds yeah yeah very nice so, um, so it's catching on now 12 years yeah it's gone on a while and it i honestly it's it's two and a half hours and you don't even realize it's great yeah no nah, great cast great um vince vaughn's great in it he is. He's really good in it. Has a, has a Vince Vaughn I was going to say, episode. it's kind of a similar-ish role in our featured film. It is. Yeah. But, and of course... Um, and great I, directing as well. I watched Fighting With My Family, but the April Fool's film of the day, because it is of April the, Fool's Of the year. Day. April Fool's of the year. The April Fool's film of the year. For the first time ever, I watched The Room. The Room! Now, I mean, I'm going to post about it later tonight. Tell me about the room. Zeke. Tell me about the room. Uh, well, I watched the Disaster Artist before the room. Oh, that's so, interesting. Because <laughs> obviously, the room is synonymous as being what the best worst movie of all time. Basically. And for April Fools, I thought that was an appropriate to watch a film that was perfect for April Fools. Basically, <laughs> it um, is a great April Fools film. Obviously, the film is a disaster, but is one of the most entertaining nights you're ever gonna have with your friends. That's when you have to watch it. You have to watch it in a crowd or with a friend. Did I you, think you watched it with James, eh? I did. And I watched it about I wish, a month, a month ago, there. but I saved the post for ago. April Fool's. But, I wish I was there. It would have been great. But I think that's the thing. I think it has a rewatchability. It's just an entertaining it does. experience. Re- yeah, exactly. Um, maybe we'll watch it this week. Um, well, I mean, they do um, they do lunar public screens. Because yeah. the last time I watched The Room was actually in a, in a theatre. 
And you met and what you do? Greg you go, Sestero. Yeah, I actually did. I met him there with, with my girlfriend um, in December. Was that December? Yeah, yeah, that was December. Wow. Um, it's not that long ago, and he's he's a cool he's a cool lad. I remember we we were like looking for the line because the line mm-hmm. we didn't know where the hell it ended, and we just like bumped right into him just texting. And I was like, oh, that hi, <laughs> bye, sort of thing. And then I bought um because him and him and Tommy Wiseau they've they've done um a new script or a new film called Best Friends Volume One and Two, and I remember I bought the script for what I'm assuming is just Volume One, and he signed it and everything. Have you so read I've it? Got, I haven't read it, no, but it's just sitting on my bench. That's like next to all my Blu-rays, I just I want to read it. It'll be interesting. I think, um, but um, that was a great experience. You got to go to those as well. Maybe what we throw, should do, you throw spoons. Yeah, it'd be a really cool thing is we could like take scene by scene and act them out on the podcast. Could be an interesting <laughs> sort of thing. I feel like the podcast oh, is also a grounds for brains for uh, brainstorming. But um, yeah, look, yeah. I watched that, and it's one of those films. It's like, look, film is an art form, and we like talking about films that really do move us, and we talk about them with a passion. And films like Into the Wild, which are Basically, for lack of a better word, like they are masterpieces. They are like yeah. people putting their heart and soul and passion into. And technically, these guys did put their passion into this film. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, this that... guy Tommy Wiseau, he sure as hell did. Yeah. Even Greg. I mean, and but it is it is a great entertainment because films are one to move and then the other to entertain, and if that fits quite easily into the entertainment category. So I mean, that's I mean, that's what the disaster artist talks about. Yeah. It's actually, it's not just about making fun of a bad movie. It's the celebration of what the film has brought to people, which you're right, is joy and laughter and fun. Like, yeah. The world is better off. That's the thing. People say like, oh, this movie sucks. But is the world not a better place for having a film like this in it? Was it not a better place for putting people out there and, and putting like their heart and time and exactly. money into it? And I think that's a big... I think people... The majority of the people who have seen this film or multiple times and went to screenings or anything like that have their lives are slightly better with this movie being a part of it because there is no I really can't think of anyone out there who dislikes this movie to the point where they actually genuinely dislike it. People love to have fun with the film. Yeah, and I mean, like I've watched, I've watched what will be actually eighty-eight films with that one included. Eighty-eight. Um, so maybe I'll make it number eighty-eight. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, pretty memorable number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I've watched 88 films and out of those 88 films, I think my life predominantly was more enjoyable. Maybe for five, maybe six of them was like predominantly like I had, I'm better for watching this film. Yeah. Um, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> there are definitely films yeah. already on this list that I will never go near again. Mm. Um, and but seeing them... It wasn't and... number 62, was it? That was a disconnected, correct? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, special correspondence. Sorry, special Ricky Gervais. Special correspondence. Um, never want to see that film oh, ever God. again. Oh, God. You don't have to apologize. That fucking guy. And a good year. I never want to see a good year ever again. And I never want to see... Probably The Mule again. Oh, yeah. I'm still which curious is, about The Mule. That's like. pretty brutal. But, um, yeah, no, that's all I've got. So, uh... No, I mean, it's a good list. I... Yeah. But well, we're moving into career stuff. We, are we have a career. career I do have a career update. So today is April first. No, I'm not joking. Mm. <laughs> um, so we released a teaser trailer today for something. I don't remember if I've teased on the potty before. I think you said we're working on something. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been anything. Yes. Um, no. So today we Clicker Productions. We released a teaser trailer for um, uh, a short documentary. So like 
10 to 15 minute short doco uh, mm-hmm. called X Rental. And what this is, is exploring uh, kind of what's left of the video rental industry in WA. That's a cool title. So, yeah, this is a cool title. Cheers, Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I'm directing, uh, editing, and yeah, I guess I'm producing as well. I'm doing all that. Uh, and Kish Moody is shooting it and doing sound. So, so kind of I, a bit of a I duo team there. Two for you. Yeah. Um, just shoot it off in my Q&A. Uh, You're back in Q&A mode. Back in Q&A mode. <laughs> um, two is, what's the aim runtime you reckon you'd be looking at? Um, I think 10 to 15. See if we can keep it down to closer to 10. Closer to 10? I wouldn't go much higher than that, but we're, we're still shooting. Mm-hmm. We've still got a couple little uh, bumps in the road that we need to hurdle over before we've got all the footage we want. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really give you a definitive answer until then, but I'm not aiming to shoot more than 10 minutes worth of doco. Okay. In this situation. And where, when might we be able to see it? Mm. Um, couldn't tell you. I'm hoping to get it, like, done. Like, a cut done later this month. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do want to try a few festivals with this one. Ooh. But the thing is, with this kind of thing, the reason we announced it today is because a big part of the doco is about Blockbuster in Morley, which closed yesterday. Today is the first day in which Blockbuster Morley does not exist anymore which leaves only one blockbuster left in the world. Mm-hmm. And if we wait too long to release this doco, we're going to miss that opportunity. We're not going to be part of that conversation anymore. So admittedly, the only reason we've announced it properly and put out like a little teaser video is so we could be part of the conversation and mm-hmm. tell people, hey, we have a story about you know, Blockbuster Morley we want to tell. There's other stores we've approached as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about more stores and I can talk about that a bit more in the near future. But we wanted to be a bit a part of that conversation, let people know now, hey, we've got a bit of an interesting thing to show. So with that in mind and wanting to be part of that conversation, we can't wait too long. But we do want to try a few festivals. So you won't be waiting that long. Well, That's all admittedly, that teaser, which is available right now on Clicker Productions. It's on the um, Facebook. I might chuck it on the Instagram and stuff later. Keep chucking it in. Maybe we even uh, chuck it into our description for Ooh, this episode. Wow, yes. Um, <laughs> Admittedly, watching that watching that teaser, this might be the most excited I've been for one of your pieces of Whoa, work. Whoa, um, okay. I, I'm already liking the aesthetic in which you've shot, so I will be intrigued to see where this film goes. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. But the teaser, if you're going to sell me on something, has definitely sold me on it. Awesome. Yeah, no, the teaser is definitely the little piece of the action. I figured this punched the microphone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's definitely a teaser of the full action. I'm really excited to get mm. the rest of this. And you'll probably be together. working on a, another short that we're trying to get started. What, by then or right now? Well, in the next week or two, right? Like we're Oh, that, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, so, uh, we're cooking something, aren't we? Yeah, you're, you're cooking I, mostly. I've, I've cooked up another little script. You're, you're um, in the oven and I'm the, in the, re- oven. the rest of us are outside waiting. Waiting to see what <laughs> it's going to come out. Yeah. So we can grab um, it. <laughs> So ideally, we probably aim to shoot that in the next week or two, yeah, and that's real soon. have it uh, done. It's gonna be done soon, yeah, pretty soon. So that might pop up again. That'll be something. Another uh, cradle esque school of quick short filmmaking. Yeah, I think definitely within the next week or two, you're gonna hear a lot more about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll be pretty see. happy to talk about. It. And hopefully, we'll have something more to talk about in the next couple of weeks regarding uh, a documentary that I made later in last year. Also. Ooh. So yeah. I'll be we're t- very co- close to the cusp of that, aren't we? Yes, yes. So it'll be interesting to talk about that in the next week or two. So I'll leave 
I'll leave you all well, listeners a little, teases there. little teased out there. A little bit teased out. We'll well, tease I think we're going to have a lot of films to talk about by you know, this part in the next month or two, probably. Yeah, no, there's a lot of interesting stuff in the next yeah, month or two. Yeah. Throughout, throughout April, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And then June and July is going to be... Moving pieces. We're going to have a, gonna have a good year. Is there, is there a trailer you saw yesterday you want to talk about? <laughs> Do you I... remember the name of the movie? <laughs> Oh, yes, I've forgotten about those trailers. So, Trailer corner before we two. get into the second half of the show, <laughs> we went and saw Fighting With My Family in the cinema, as we talked about yep. yesterday, and admittedly, the set of trailers oh in our trailer talk um, that came beforehand might have been the worst four trailers I've ever gotten back to back to back to back. <laughs> Because normally you get one that's a little bit meh. You get, yeah. you, get, you get one that looks pretty cool, and then you get one that's like just trash. This was four very average. <laughs> average. Too terrible. You, you, okay, there we too, go. <laughs> I want to almost say, like I said to you, I whispered to you, yeah. and we're going to. I've even forgotten. I'm going to quickly find out what it's called. I think yeah, I we need to find what out it's what it's called. called. Um. There's a trailer. I mean, I me- I remember that it was trying to be all jokey. There was one specific thing that happened in the trailer that okay made you very very uncomfortably and uh, very uncomfortable, understandably. There goes mm. my grammar. I made it. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Basically, a, what a twelve year old flirting with a teacher. The film was called Little Jake. Little Jake. Little. No, just little. Just oh, little. And oh, it's about. Okay. <laughs> how would you describe that plot? The plot. <laughs> the plot. Suddenly 30, but really racist. <laughs> I, I don't know. At the end of it, basically what it is, is it's like a really mean, clearly terrible... Oh, wait, other way around. Suddenly 30, the other yeah, way around, sorry. Yeah. So she's like a terrible 30-something-year-old woman. She's mean she's to like everyone. She's like go-to, eh? like literally the worst person on the planet. And some witch turns her into a 12-year-old. Isn't like a kid? Yeah. Kid turns into yeah. Yeah, a kid. And um, Turns a little. I don't actually know where that film got approved. You said who funded I, this? <laughs> who I did. I said who funded it because it was one. It was uncomfortable because there was a twelve-year-old flirting with student, the student, twelve-year-old yeah. student, who the other You're character giving clearly, him eyes. Oh no! And it was. That's not funny. No, yeah. no, that's actually just kind of gross because that's like it's definitely in the like climate a subversion that we're of pedophilia. Right now, a and bit, if yeah. you don't think that is a, not a subversion of like pedophilia, then yeah. you've got something fucking wrong with you because that was uh, not. It's okay. literally what happens in Adam Sandler films. Yeah, literally, it's not good. Like just gender swapped. Which and I, put, I outright will say right will. now that film will win this year's Razzie. Oh, you did call that. So <laughs> I'm holding on to you for that. That is what I want to leave us with. They were terrible trailers. Hopefully, the film was better. So, coming up later in the show, fighting with my family, so stick around. Yeah! I'm watching that. Give me the remote. No! Give it... It's off! Zach, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? You really want to choke her out in a lot of fingers? Yeah. Now pull it tight. Oh, yeah! in trouble. Born to a tight-knit wrestling family, Paige and her brother Zach are ecstatic when they get the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to try out for the WWE. But when only Paige earns a spot in the competitive training program, she must leave her loved ones behind and face her current, her new cutthroat world alone. Paige's journey pushes her to dig deep and ultimately prove to the world that what makes her different is the very thing that can make her a star. This film, Jake, 
is Stephen Merchant's first film. That's right. We've done that research. <laughs> Every time he says first film, he gives me that look. He gives me that look. Jesse's listening. You know. Jesse Newell's got out the pers- pen and paper. He, he's going to go look now and he's going to be like, actually, he directed a short comedy sketch. <laughs> He actually directed Logan. That's why he was in it. Ah, no. yes. No, God okay, no. so bit of pre-context to this film. I've been looking at this film for a long time. Um, I am a bit of a... I do like my wrestling. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, um, you're a big wrestling fan. I am a wrestling fan. Um, I like what wrestling... And I like... And this we'll talk about it in reflection of the film. And it was some of the stronger bits I liked about the film. Um... This film's interesting because it has a lot of interesting elements. One, mm. it's the first like wrestling film done by and in like correlation with the WWE. There was the wrestler. It done definitely by... it hit me at a certain point where there was so much of involvement with WWE yeah. in this film. I was like, okay, wow, they definitely. Because in my mind, I went into this film forgetting or not even realizing from the get go that this is based on a true story. Yes, this so, is very true. I didn't see any trailers or anything. I pretty much knew what you told me about on the air. Mm-hmm. Like, not even anything off the air. So, it was a point in the film when I was like, oh, the producer did a really good job at getting all this WWE approval. Oh. Yeah. It kind of hit me. And we we can definitely break into that stuff. See, the only other real wrestling sort of film that's at least known to, I think, more mainstream culture is the Mickey Rourke one, The Wrestler, mm, which is yep. Aronofsky, which is a phenomenal film. Um, and a film that really does, I think do wrestling more justice than this film does. Okay. But we can get into that. Um, I am a big wrestling fan. This is a bit of a weird angle because, as we talked We've about... We've got different, yeah. In the car, I have a very subjective sort of biased opinion with this film. I'm very invested in these people and like WWE their, and their life. Yeah. So I was aware of the true story before this movie. Whereas you don't know anything. I went into this. I Yeah, like I said, I didn't know anything about this movie really going in. So I didn't even realize that when when they, when they it's about wrestling, that it was even WWE at all, let alone how mm. much it ended up being about that. And it was about this, basically a real person and then yeah. her journey to get into WWE. And it, like I said, you know, it kind of hit me throughout. I mean, I, I haven't watched WWE since I was like nine, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was been a while. I used to love the games. You start yes. doing the rosters and the games on my PS2 and stuff like that. Um, and I obviously recognised the bigger names like Triple H, John Cena, and mm-hmm. obviously The Rock's in this. And he's got a pretty. He's got a few scenes in this. Um, enough to be on the poster. Yeah, he's enough, very much enough, on the poster. Enough. Well, I imagine because my my um, nephew would it be my nephew or my cousin? I guess he's my cousin technically. My cousin um, he loves wrestling mm-hmm. to death. And his mum took him to this film because he just watches everything that The Rock is in. Yeah. So that's his kind of standpoint. I was trying to look at it from his perspective of someone who's like, I'm just watching this movie to see The Rock. Mm. And he's in it for maybe one scene towards the start, and he comes back a bit in the third act, and that's about... Kind of the tip of the second yeah. to third, sort of, that sort of point. I feel like the third act's already started when she comes back. Okay. But um, we'll get into spoilers in a little bit. Yeah. I do want to talk about it before we spoil Let's anything. Let's start with... Um... First impression walking okay. out of the theater because this is like I said, this is the first film in a while that we've seen together. And yeah, like probably sat down, sat down and watched and then, it in yeah. the theater. So, what was the what's the verdict, Jake? Did you enjoy it? Um, I did enjoy it. It definitely um, grabbed my interest. You know, as someone who didn't know the story, as someone who mm-hmm. was in, I was into like the performances and stuff. Nick, I like what Nick Frost was doing, and um, 
and a lot of the angles that the film was taking in terms of I mean I leaned over to you on point and I said I'm like I like that this fighting with my family the title is way more metaphorical yeah. than it is physical I mean there's obviously a physicality to it because they do the family do physically fight each other at times yes um and that's just yeah. part of them as wrestlers but I like I like that they were doing a lot of subtle stuff on top of that especially with the brother character I think he's really interesting um but I know not knowing really where the story goes after this or anything about Paige outside of what this film tells us about Paige. Um, with all that stuff, I fairly enjoyed it. I think I gave it a, a straight B. So I thought it was, I I dug it. You know, I dug it. I was mm-hmm. into it. I was into. I was wanting the you know the protagonist to kind of get to the end goal. Like mm-hmm. I was rooting for her. Um, I had a good time, but I know. There's definitely little nitpicky stuff I would like to address, and I know you have a lot of stuff you want to yeah. talk about with a lot of extra so, context and things. Uh, especially tying to the Aronofsky film. Now I know both of them are tonally on totally different leagues. I think Aronofsky with the wrestler definitely wanted to push the darker and grittier side of being a mm. less than successful wrestler, which this film doesn't sort of covers, but doesn't really. Yeah, I just realised that you're right. Like the tone's quite, uh, yeah, a, uh, kind quite, of. A, Beat. I think you did actually whisper to me at some point last night where you f- said it, oh, got yeah. a, it definitely sort of felt like it became more like there almost was, yeah a child like sport film. Not even that, but there, there was a there was a point in the film towards the end when I I kind of leaned in and whispered. I'm like, I don't like where they're going with this mm. because I think that they found an okay tone where it was still a pretty lightish tone and it, it wasn't gritty or dark or anything like that. It actually, kind of had that middle which, ground which, but i think i think it leaned too much towards the fun and games aspect of and it at, I think, at parts i think this film struggles where aronofsky's more succeeded is that lifestyle is not a it's not really a glorified lifestyle and this film because it was definitely funded by the wwe it has that same sort of problem that i'm feeling that the same thing as as the dirt and bohemian rhapsody had yeah it feels like there's almost too much creative control in these people that fund these films because we don't get to see. Whereas Aronofsky's The Wrestler was funded by bodies like Ring of Honor, which are a more indie-based wrestling scene, yeah. but allowed them to be more, um, like less, like more subtle with their sort of ways. Whereas this film, its strongest points are definitely in its first act, in my opinion. I mean, first act strong, and. Um, and kind of the turning too. point, the low point is in this film. So like that mid mid movie, especially the interaction between Zach and Paige yeah, when she returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a very good scene. I really like that stuff. Yeah, and that stuff is what I wanted to see more because, and even the stuff that followed when Zach's child was born, and he wasn't invested in the child at all. Yeah, that stuff. I was like. I want to see more of that, and I think I did whisper to you halfway through the movie and go, "I want to see more of Zach's story." Yeah, because for me, I knew a lot of the stuff about Paige, and that's true. And and then the brother is a bit more of a mystery. And going the into interesting it. thing, and this is the first time I think this has ever really, really happened with me. I've gone into a true story film and known more about the story behind it than the film lets on. Okay. And I've never had that experience with a true story. Like, I've known of... Well, wouldn't you have, st- with Bohemian Rhapsody, wouldn't you have gone and thinking, why is this not here? Why isn't this addressed oh, properly? I'm not a, a Queen fan. Okay, so you... Yeah, so okay. So it's more here. I got to be thing. more objective with that stuff. And then yep. normally with biopics with band films, um, I tend to like the, the musician more after I've watched the biopic rather than before. There's yeah. never been 
one of my favourite musicians haven't had a biopic yet. So if the Eagles right. had a biopic, I'd probably be a bit more picky about that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, fair enough. Um, Queen, we, we, I got a, we got a co-director, Cat Empire. <laughs> and that would be an, yeah. Um, but like, where would you go with that though? Ooh. You would have to dig deep to find the drama in that band. I think. Oh, it'd be interesting. Be you interesting. have to dig real deep for that. But, but I think oh, I love them. <laughs> yeah, I think um, this film does skip over parts and it okay. glorifies parts that I didn't like. But then it hits some really cool moments. Like I do think the stuff with honestly the supporting cast stories. Some of the more stronger ones, like mm. I really. There's did some great like backstories and stuff. We kind of wish Vince's could... Vince Vaughn's inclusion in this film. He yeah, had a, in my opinion. Oh, that's right. He has like a whole thing. I think we should just jump into spoilers. Yeah, I think so. so. If you want to watch this, I recommend it. I think you should check it out. I think there's but some interesting because this stuff. Film is still very fresh in the theater. We do want to be like, we're going to go into spoilers. I would recommend watching this film too because it is something different. Yeah, but I mean, Steve Merchant does an alright job. Directing-wise? Yeah. I mean, you can tell me what you think in a bit. I think, I think he was all right with I it. I think this film, it's definitely not a fail attempt of a film. Yeah. At all. In fact, it's quite it's quite good. I'm happy in, with, like, I gave it a B ranking in my I like, list. I think B's pretty, yeah. I think I'll give it maybe a 6.5 or 7 out of 10, maybe. Yeah. Um, I might be pushing closer to the 6.5 personally, but that's okay. my personal opinion. But I would recommend seeing it because it's nice seeing... Films that get showcased at Sundance and it was get to do a, a sort of a mainstream run. I feel like this one's always pushing, getting out of the indie realm, but we'll talk about that a bit. It kind of has a Don John effect where people Absolutely. know about it, but it's not going to be in the theaters for two, three months. Like it's no. going to, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we should jump into spoilers. Absolutely. What were you going to... We were talking about Vince Vaughn's kind of yeah, backstory so, or kind of the stuff we had to learn about I, him, which I, I thought was great. I kind of saw that was where they were going with that sort of stuff, but I do love... There is a scene between Paige and Vince Vaughn's character outside a gas station. Those sort of moments, they're actually the moments where I was more grounded in, okay, this is actually their life, because a lot of their life is just being on a bus and going to these... And you do actually, if you go and listen to wrestlers talking about being on the road yeah. or just any sort of athlete being on the road. Mm. A lot of that time is spent at places like gas stations and stuff. I thought, um, I didn't really get by, uh, you know, get behind the character of Paige in this film. Mm. I think this film does, doesn't do a very good job of, I don't find sympathy in her character. I think her character mm-hmm. is vastly, underwhelming compared to the character of Zach because his story is far more interesting because they keep saying she has this thing but I don't see that thing that they yeah, kept saying. I, I think I have to agree with you there. I Except I do find the sympathy in her because the film every now and then touches on the idea of did she just grow up in a family that wants her to wrestle or does she generally want to wrestle? And I, I never got the sense but that that got answered at yeah, any point in the there film. There we go, see... But I liked that the question was there, and I think that's what drove me through the film with sympathy for her character. The pacing is in this film is I w- I really liked the pacing. Really, I really disliked the pacing. Okay. So this is where yes, it was debates. a lot. It was a long movie, but like I really enjoyed. The movie's the only ninety movie. minutes. Really? Yeah. No way. Ninety or hundred minutes? Yeah. And this And I think the second act goes for way too long. And the third act just comes out of nowhere. 
the antagonist of the film. Hour 48. Hour 48, so it's not too bad. So, I think the antagonist, if the antagonist of the film is technically the quote-unquote Divas champion, AJ Mm. Lee, which I don't even know if it is. It it feels like a very much side note of the film. Because she's never mentioned it till the very end. As someone who doesn't know wrestling, like, I didn't care about that character. No. At the very end, because she was literally just like a final obstacle that, frankly, got defeated very easily. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, but, I mean that's how it happened. I'm guessing uh, she yeah, just kind of showed up and won the. I mean, title. there's a lot of like outside context stuff, but if we're watching the film as a narrative, I don't know who the antagonist of this film is because I don't think Zach is. He's like, well, it's, I, it's not Vince Vaughn. It's not really Zach. I Zach's probably got the best argument for it, but I don't think he does. But even I, then, he he's the always most sympathetic character too. Yeah, well, that's he's a sympathetic character. He's always pushing Paige though. At the start, when he's not selected, but she is, he's the one that's like, what are you doing? Take this opportunity. Don't worry about me. The only time he's ever really acted as an mm. antagonist is when he gets too serious in the ring and then goes off at her after that fight. And even then, he kind of flips the script because she says, hey, you inspire all these people here. Mm. You can be the hero in this small space. And think- that's when he has his turning point. But, but I don't I- see him as an antagonist. No, I don't either. And I think that film, maybe it even struggles because it's not got enough time to tell both stories or both arcs right. for both these characters. And that might be where actually the, the critical flaw is, maybe, in my opinion. But I think maybe this might be also a case of maybe too many characters um, and too many maybe. stories to tell. But I don't know, because I was more invested in his story because her story felt very... Uh, Especially when it was if, a pretty if you're predictable a wrestling fan watching top, this sort of this movie, which a lot of people who watch this film will be wrestling fans, mm. just as people that watch Marvel movies are generally Marvel fans. Are you going to be happy with this film? I don't know if you will be, because there are things where I, uh, they feel like they're blatant, um, glamorized versions of what actually happens with them. Whereas the yeah. Aronofsky film shows the steroid dosing, which a lot of them have shows this rigorous training. And they kind of touch on it with some they of the touch extre- on the training stuff. Was there any drug stuff in this part no, of the story? Well, none at all. No, I mean, in real life, was there a drug angle to this story of her getting to the ring? There probably was. I think they, but like they touch on with the parent characters, how heavily drugs was involved in their sort of, their upbringing, and even in in where they found themselves in wrestling, there was still an aspect of that in their life. And I think these characters were very clean versions of what they probably were in in real life. And I know for a fact she has gone on to have multiple, I think, issues with like um, performance enhancing and stuff like that, which is yeah. a, a big aspect of that sort of um, career choice, which they, like, they don't, of course, but the film that's funded by the WWE is not going to talk about that stuff. I mean, that's true, but I just, I just... So you have to try and take that stuff away from this film because you're not going to get that in this film because someone's money is invested in the film and they don't want their corporation to look bad. Well, the the thing is, at the end of the day, the story is about Paige getting to the ring, and yet, obviously, Mm. if the WWE are being a part of this, they're not going to shine light on kind of the more dodgy aspects of that. Yeah. So I can understand that. And obviously we don't want that in our films. We want films with a bit more of a, of a genuine story or 
um, to tell the truth in a more accurate well, way. Well, it gets it almost becomes but, that point of like, and it's it's a problem that a lot of these true story based on true story stuff happens is how loose they are. I know Green Book suffered a lot of that at the start of the year yeah. with its uh, loose terminology of, and that's an Oscar-winning film, so it's like, if they're going to struggle with this, then what's well, this it's, it's a tonal got... thing. It's it's finding the tone and sticking to it. And I think I think Green Book sticks to its tone, mm. even though people might not like that it's a lighter tone than they would want. Same here. It's a yeah. lighter tone than a lot of people would have liked. Same with Bohemian Rhapsody. There's a lot of people wanting darker tones in these films, and yet a lot of the time... Darker and more realistic, too. Well, darker, because... realistic tones, and I, I it... feel like... Yeah, that's probably what people want in general. Mm-hmm. We've in the last like couple of decades, we've come accustomed to getting darker, grittier films in our mainstream. Yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, it's that Dark Knight effect again. Of maybe. I yeah, mean, oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the whole superhero thing in general. Of especially DC trying to get darker I... for the sake of people them thinking people want darker. But then you see examples like this mainstream films like Bohemian mm. Rhapsody. Green Book, and now this film wanting these stories to be darker, especially because they're based on true stories, and we just want to see that. I suppose. I guess not. I think that's a fair estimate. I think the big thing that really, like, my biggest minus actually during this, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, yeah, is is Dwayne Johnson. I think he is a complete money grab addition to this film. Yeah, I think <coughs> he has no place in this film. I think. He literally does nothing for me in this film, and it's it's frankly it's very frustrating. It's clearly WWE having an agenda to put him in there to sell more because Dwayne is the highest grossing yeah. actor in Hollywood, at least as of like two years ago. He probably still is now. Oh, longer than two years. Yeah, probably that was like five years. And um, frankly, it's it's it, it ruins the film because it takes away from what Merchant could have done with this film, which is really solidify. I feel like his own directorial pacing but then i don't know where i sit with with merchant as a director because right where does he want to be where does he want to sit does he want to make light-hearted films or does he want to like invest in i mean obviously that... he wants to do light-hearted films yeah. based on this film and it was a story he wanted because i believe the, like i said the story is about i mean it was in those the closing little credits well before the actual credits they have their little you know where are they now sort of thing mm-hmm. and it went on to talk about page being kind of this icon for females in wrestling yeah and that's kind of i think where they wanted to go with that um and that being said there is a there is a truth um to that in the story if you look beyond this film yeah um and the film probably does the best way it can physically do that wrapping up i do think the stakes are a little bit here's my okay there is actually one big gripe that i had with this film so at first there in the first act when Steve Merchant's actually in the scene. They talk uh, yeah. about how it's fake to the extent of it's fixed. I feel like they didn't talk about that enough, I think. And I think that is honestly where this film fails in building its universe correctly because mm. they make it out like the final fight is real, that it's those two. When right, the okay. fact of the matter is, in reality, she would have been told she is winning that title beforehand yeah and my my line is if you want a film in which um you don't want to say like you're saying wrestling is is real and there's no fixed result yeah then say that and it's fine like 
I, I, I'm okay with that because then what you're doing is you're buying into that universe it's trying to build. But you can't have it both ways. And I feel like this Well, this film... is based on a true story, so they really couldn't fudge it up. You would hope no. not. No, but no, no, but she definitely has to win that. But she would have yeah. been told she was winning that before well, that's, going yeah, out that's what there. I mean, yeah. And that should have been... Le- it should have been the thing where it was like... The fact that she's winning that is the, the reward for her hard work and facing that moment. Because it would play into her anxiety. Imagine being yeah. told... On your first night going out to see 20,000 people, you're winning that belt. Wouldn't that... You could then... I feel like that makes the scene more impactful because she knows she's going to win it, but it's not about winning it. It's about proving to everyone that she is capable of winning that and believable in winning that. Because that's... And they don't touch on that aspect of what makes I do, wrestling. I do wrestling. wish, yeah, that they, they did clear it up a little bit more because it is that thing of someone who's not... I don't follow wrestling... I'm like, I don't know what to what extent it is fake. And I think that there's little hints in there when they're training mm. and um, there's a certain com- comments made. That's like, okay, so this is kind of the level of What's knowledge like- to have on each other's moves and this and that. Yeah. But you're right. It, there's fake stakes at the end. Yeah. Because they choose to go along this lie that we... More like the sort Rocky of being, sort of style where yeah. it's like an well, actual fight. And that's the thing. And again, with The Rock, the moment you audibly groan to the point when I, when I first noticed, I was like, okay, I don't think... I, I'm a little worried what Zeke's going to say about this because it's when The Rock and Vince Vaughn do the little fist okay. bump a or fist whatever. Bump. They look at each other and do like a cheesy sort of Which like is, end of movie didn't spot. happen in a million years. No. That did not happen in a million years. And you're right because it's like they didn't... What what sort of tension or goal was there for Paige when both The Rock, Dwayne Johnson and Vince Vaughn, the guy teaching her all, uh, the coach essentially yeah. for the past however many years, and I don't know this was, they're both like, we did it. We we made her career. Ha ha. And it's that, like, you're meant to be the challenging force in this story. Well, that's the thing. And the problem with Vince Vaughn's character being there is that accurately, that wouldn't have happened because yeah. where he's situated is in developmental. Now, if we want to take this in a real sports term, you'd be it would be like, taking a coach from the waffle who's training one player in the waffle or like the state football league. And then when it moves to a national level, he follows that footballer to the national level, watches him play his first game, even though his team is still down in state. Like it doesn't work that way. It's such a a weird, like it's what they've tried to do is they've tried to do almost like a, a Rocky like thing where the like Rocky's like hype man from that or any sort of like, boxing or fighting movie yeah. and the mentors sitting in the front row watching them fight. That works in those movies. Because it makes sense. Because it makes sense. It doesn't make sense here. Yeah. The Rock wouldn't... There's no way The Rock would be... Sit- and it just... It goes on and that scene continues yeah. and it gets worse and worse where she goes to the back room and she's hugging a bunch of women because it's like, oh, look, I'm this... Like, almost that like was... A- when, I, when I leaned into you and said, I don't like where this is going, is when she started becoming like all besties with those, with those other girls. Mm. Because... Again, those are people who could have been antagonists. And it just turns out they were just talking well, about a random kid. Yeah, one of them, one had, of, kids, one of them had a and kid. She made a and... false assumption about them. But like I don't know. Okay, well that was that's where my problem is in the film too. It's like how is she a likable character? That's in the middle of the film yeah. where she is like basically um saying these two that like, all these women are just, you know, I think and I quote, tits and ass. Yeah. Like so that's literally what she and... says to their face. And we're supposed to like her after that because she's got she was an absolute tart to them, and suddenly is like, well, I'm really sorry, and like she treats them, who are these new people coming to the sport, 
And this thing, this film does do some things really well. Like, honestly, the stuff with Zach is what makes this film way more, like, got way more heart than it gives itself credit for with the page stuff. Because the stuff with yeah. Zach is, like, true. Bottom of the it's bottom the of the rail. the sibling love there is great as well. Well, it's inclusivity too, which is what, like, wrestling's right, always yeah. been about. Like, helping people that, who kind of don't have a place. And they yeah. really nail that tone in the first... 20 to 30 minutes and then completely lose it by the end of the film because yeah. it changes well, tone. They bring that back but it's such a small part of it where he when he has his redemptive moment he's like, no, nope, I'm going to pick all these kids back up and then it, it ends with the blind kid going to smack down. <laughs> I just think... It's that, not enough, I agree. There should have been I more think of that. that stuff is the stuff that people would want to see and that's probably why it feels weird to be like, I'm supposed to be going for Paige at the end and not the guy who is helping the blind kid. Like, you know what I well, mean? Well, you're meant to go for both cause, because... The brother's... What's the brother's name? Because we keep... Zach. The bro- Zach. Oh, my God. You've said it a million times. Mm. I'm sorry. No, but that's it. I think we do... We're rooting for both of them because that's the thing. They're at the end. They're both talking to each other before mm-hmm. her final fight and then he's watching her, cheering her on from the house. I think it's... there. I think my, my problems... I mean, they arise more from... Yeah, like the, the Rock. I mean, I actually have no issue with The Rock being in this film. I think it actually makes sense in the sense that there's kind of this this higher up mentor who kind of passes by. And it makes sense that it's The Rock because you don't have to establish. scene was really good. The yeah. one where he's like, oh yeah, I'm shooting a film. So I just thought I'd pop by because yeah. I can do that. And that's something that does happen. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it's really cool. Now, it's the second scene I don't like. The follow-up scene. When he calls the family, I don't mind that either. Okay. Because it, I can buy that that it's a favour for Vince Vaughn, who you could probably, yeah, you know, The Rock knows Vince Vaughn in this situation, mm-hmm. sure. But after that, he should have been gone. He shouldn't have been there to fist bump Vince Vaughn. He shouldn't have been there after that. I can Because then that's a payoff. Mm. You have him that first time, you pay him off by him being the one to announce, hey, you're going on tonight, or tomorrow night, rather, then, then call it there. Yeah, and That's it. Okay. If that was his role, they, they took it a little too far, I think. I didn't mind that so much. I think this this film really... I think its third act is just... The weakest. Oh, it's the weakest, but I think it also yeah. kind of just really sinks its teeth into the other two acts. I think it just absolutely rushes to the, the end because they've realised they've been building all this stuff up and maybe this film could have actually benefited with another 20 minutes or or something like that. I don't know. Because I, yeah, I don't know. I think this film needed more than what it had uh, or it should have ended because there is like like I don't know uh, I'm not sure I'm satisfied with the way this film ended out and the way I walked away from the film was honestly very negative compared to when I started watching the film because by right. the end of the first act I bought into the narrative I really was enjoying it I think it gave it gave an, it was lighter than obviously like I've said Aronofsky's with the wrestler yeah but I think um yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know where I sit with that, Jake, because the reality is I think this film had too many people behind it, you know, deciding its direction. Producing it, basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it just it just failed, you know. So, uh, I don't know, man. No, that's fair. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was mm-hmm. in that regard. I think a lot, of the, a lot of the issues that you have with it, I kind of just have a lesser take on it, I suppose, but I can understand exactly where you're coming from the tone point of view from it feeling like there's too much authoritary control over it from the WWE themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a, just a few things in there that just don't make sense. But, you know, it, it all goes back again. There, are, There is stuff in here that is very enjoyable. The, the, the dynamic between Zach and Paige is great. His story is 
really interesting. Didn't even get into the brother character coming back too. Oh, the other brother, yeah. Who's nothing more than really a throwaway line to finish off Zach's arc, really. Exactly. He didn't need to be there. Paige could have said... I mean, Paige does say the same thing. I think this is like... It could have been Nick Frost. talking out this film more is really outlining how much I really didn't enjoy this film. It could have been Nick Frost who, as a father, who's now come to accept that... I mean, yeah, his daughter goes back to the WWE, but... He finally finds himself in a place where he's like, maybe my, my family don't need to just do nothing but wrestle. And then maybe he could be the one to deliver the line to Zach. And I, boom, I, you don't need that extra brother character. So here's my thing. This film has a fair amount of swearing in it. Like a, yeah, I think so. A relative amount, memory, enough yeah. to, I think, push it into an M rating. It's definitely an M rating, yeah. Um, So kids can't even really watch this film. No, if you, I mean... If we're going on an actual legal standpoint, kids can. Yeah. Like, if you're eight years old, your parents with you, you can still watch it. Probably, but I, I don't know. Would parents walk out of this film feeling okay with letting their eight-year-old watch this film? I mean... Generally speaking. I'm, I'm really trying to remember where, from a from a language point of view, how far it goes. I, I can't like even remember. pushes a little bit too far towards the the mature audience and I think especially where they keep talking I don't consider it a kids film like I actually don't know where it sits because I feel like there's enough swearing to be like if I took my eight-year-old to see this I don't know if I'd be comfortable with them seeing this film yeah and then that makes me go okay well if we're already in the realm of being almost to the adolescent adulthood realm why not dial it up a little bit more make it a little bit more racy and and stuff because but again, that's that's the WWE coming down on that, yeah. assumingly, and that's Stephen Merchant as a director probably just not that interested in that part of it. Mm. I think he's only interested in the page as an icon in the WWE. And there's an yes. interesting story with the family that, thank God, he's included. I think that dynamic mm-hmm. would have been more... Because there were scenes where I was just like... God, I wish the movie more focused on a, the family dynamic because I think she goes to WWE almost too quickly and it would have been nice to actually be more about the uh, family dynamic yeah, build. It would have been nice um, to see more of that. And and I wish they had this, more development. Yeah, and maybe just do a jump cut transition because the stuff when she's in developmental is, is good to an extent, but there are, arc, there are mini arcs in that story, especially the relationship with the other female wrestlers, yeah. which was just so unnecessary. I hated that they were completely fine by the end of it. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, And I think the family dynamic stuff was really cool, especially when when Zach was snapping and he started that fight. Some of the best stuff in the film. That stuff is really... That that interaction between all four characters, between the mum, you know, um, Lena Headley, Nick Frost, and, you know, um, Florence Perg, and I can't remember Zach's... Zach, yeah. Zach and Paige. My boy Those Zach. four, that was really cool. And they yeah. they built that with the whole build-up from the other brother going to prison. And he didn't need to be in this film. And I know maybe that, like, timeline-wise, he could have come out. But knowing as much as creative control they already had on this film yeah. and how much they've kind of skewed the narrative, you can skew that part, too. Because if you're going to skew the narrative, you might as well skew parts of the story to help you to the best of your ability. And I think that brother character didn't need to be in there. He was completely... The four of them worked as a unit. Absolutely. They they didn't need anything else. Some of the best scenes are when those four 
that dinner scene with Steve Merchant and his wife yeah. in that scene, that showcases their dynamic pretty perfectly and between those four main characters. Yeah. And I think that scene later in the film when Zack snaps is just the stuff I wanted to see more of and we didn't get to because there would be a real power struggle going on there. Yeah. And I think that dynamic between Paige and Zack especially would have been really cool to touch on. And Zack's story is is almost as important as Paige's one because especially with the child coming into his life where you think maybe yeah. that might have found a second lease on life, but in fact he was still blinded by you know selfishness and well, jealousy. It, it goes from the line Paige literally says to that family, hey... Our brother did this same thing that we're going to do. We're both going to apply for the WWE. WWE. Uh, he didn't get it. He started to act down on it. He started fights in bars, mm-hmm. and now he's in jail. And that's almost the exact same arc that Zach mm-hmm. goes. And it's actually quite clever when it clicks. But that's the stuff... I think that's the stuff that makes this worth watching. But the stuff that doesn't make it worth watching is the stuff in America, really. It's yeah. the stuff... Which sucks, because that's the whole reason this film exists. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you take that out, you have no film. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, but not but, what they were trying to do here. Well, I mean, uh, I think that's that's all I have to say about this film. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, Final I think fi- I think Stephen Merchant as a director is, I think he's got potential. I was I was paying close attention to the way he used the camera in this film, and I I think it was I think it worked mm. for a lot of it. I think I think I the pacing for me wasn't a problem at all. I was quite into what was going on. Okay, but you're right. The more we talk about, it, the more this kind of some questionable stuff, um, especially in the page storyline i think he's done th- some things that are good but not enough to really be like the next Stephen merchant film i'm going to see because i think he does things that i've seen other directors do which is good because he clearly paid attention to what other directors have done yep but i don't think he asserted a directorial style himself that will make me want to see another one of his films yeah i mean with the, with her first outing I guess it's hard to find your voice that quickly. But, for example, I would go see the next Bradley Cooper film because I think A Star Is Born is good enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to buy into another Bradley Cooper film. It's fair enough, yeah. Um, And I think I'm on the same page. I'm not excited for another Stephen Merchant film. It depends on what the story is. Yeah. With Bradley Cooper, I don't care what the story is. I'm keen to watch it. I Yeah. I'm with you, though. Fair enough. So, finding any, my... any scenes in particular? Oh, highlight scenes? scenes? I think we've touched on it already. I think that bar scene was one of the stronger ones, definitely. Oh, when Zach's picking fights? Yes. And then the argument after that? I think it's yeah. a really good payoff, set-up payoff. Um, I think that's a really good one. Probably the best page scene is that... Probably the confrontation that comes after that scene. Um, or... Yeah. Yeah, or... that's a really good one. Um, okay. Probably... I really do like the goodbye that she does at the tip of the, probably the first act. Oh, she's when leaving she's leaving the airport. That's a nice scene. It's just a... It's really pretty. There's a weird silhouette shot they threw in there that felt janky, but other than that, I really like that scene. Mm. I like that scene and her interaction with Vince Vaughn outside that truck stop, probably. That's is, a great one. And that's, But I think that's more Vince Vaughn. Who well, yeah, kind of can? I feel like he goes under the radar sometimes. He's in and out. I think you know. I think he's pigeonholed in too many comedies that we feel like we know Vince Vaughn too much. I think so too. I think which that's is the like issue. between that and Into the Wild and Last Week. I've, yep. I've really loved his kind of turned around more a subtle bit. touches. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't want to. I didn't want to see The Rock in this film from start to finish. I feel like, other than that first scene that was been played a million times in the trailers, if you saw the trailers. Oh, okay. I think even that scene was cool, and that would be where I'd leave him. But the rest of it, I just, I couldn't. I don't want to. I didn't want to see him that much. And that yeah, end scene enough. with him and Vince Vaughn was just. Cringeworthy. It was actually cringeworthy. I cringed if they, in my If they seat. took that shot out of the film, it would have helped a lot. I think even that, and then the follow-up scene after that, the one where it was literally... I feel like when she won, the the fallout from her winning took so long to get through. Like, the... the like you what know do you where, mean? Okay. So when a character wins in a sports movie, like, the wins the big world title, like yeah. when Creed or Rocky or, or any sport movie where the team wins the title... It doesn't go on longer than maybe three or four minutes, and I feel like that final bit after she wins the title goes for. It feels didn't, like didn't it just end though? No, 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 because she goes. You see, like the she's winning. They're playing like the replays on the screen. Yeah. After the replay, she goes to the back, and there's a dude with the camera, and the girls are like, "Oh, oh that's right, yep." Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. I didn't need those shots either. Felt like it went for ages. And it wasn't a good kind of fallout either. It wasn't like oh, like the score wasn't swelling and we weren't like all rejoicing. In fact, right. it was more like, yeah, we get it. You won. Like, cool. I don't know. It really left me... It felt very flat. Okay. I didn't, it felt very I didn't, janky. Yeah. And it felt like, oh, crap, we've got to pay off like four different things in the last two minutes, which I didn't enjoy. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't get as much of a sense of that, but I didn't mind it. Okay. Well... Coming out in cinemas this week, mm. uh, Pet Cemetery, Shazam, oh, yeah. Shazam, Wonder Park. What's Wonder Park? Apparently, it looks well. It looks atrocious. It's about like a girl envisioning a theme park in her room with like a teddy bear. It doesn't look good, dude. Um, All right. I know Shazam <laughs> has been apparently everyone's talking about that. We were talking about this before the podcast. Shazam. Yeah, I do want to see Shazam. I I think of it as a non DC film, and I actually kind of think it looks funny. Yeah, honestly, that's I what I have to do with my brain to get excited for it. And Pet Cemetery can't really say I'm that keen for that. Even Is though this it's the got three Clark. They're the three big ones. I read through okay. the other ones. I wasn't familiar with, so they were the three I really wanted to cover. Yeah, Pet um, Cemetery, no interest whatsoever. No, not at all. So next week on the show, this is what, Jordan Peele's second film, right? Second directorial gig? Uh-huh. I hope. <laughs> us. Jesse, um, get on it. I'm going to quickly... Watching us next week. Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me. I'll keep you safe. Accompanied by her husband, son and daughter, Adelaide Wilson returns to a beachfront home where she grew up as a child. So this film, regardless if it's his second, third, or 40, 20 millionth film, this is Jordan, <laughs> Fe- Jordan Peele's follow-up film from He's Get Out. salty. So, Jake, Jordan Peele's follow-up film from Get Out. I'm excited. And you watched Get Out pretty much when it came out, right? That was, no, actually. It was the very first film I watched in 2017. January 1st, 2017. So like that's around the no, time sorry, 2018, I it sorry, 2018. Yeah, that's the time I watched it too. Okay. So I wasn't that really, far Really, really, really cool film. I really enjoyed it. They did a great job with that. that. That film, I think, it's just a bit of a wow film. It's a bit of a, like, you walk away from it and you're like, and I don't like horror thrillers and stuff like that. And when I walk away from one of those films and go, I wasn't really that scared, but... I was really impressed with the the concept and 
I mean, there were a couple of like little jump scare sounds that I didn't like in that movie. Is this the one? Excuse my ignorance. This is the one in the trailer when it's the family and they see like reverse versions. Yes. Of yes. Okay. I'm really excited for this. Okay. <laughs> it looks so good. So we'll be catching that later next uh, this week, and uh, we may be having a uh, multiple guests. Multiple guests. We'll next find week. out. Um, uh, let you know at the time, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, I haven't got much more to say about. Check it out next week. I hope you guys enjoyed our review of um, Fighting with My Family. Fighting with My Family uh, in theaters now. Yes. Look at that. I was Zeke Morgan Hunt. I was. And we'll catch you next week.